cheaper than our producer's underage sister. Edgier than the stuff shown on late night television. Newer than Kim Kardashian's ex, live from Orlando, it's Crazy Train Radio. Trying to paint any uh, illusions that uh, you know it's 
24/7. It's it's it's, it's biscuits and gravy over there. It's a it's a rough life. You you know that that uh, any entertainment business, whether it's professional wrestling or whatever, it it, it can be a grueling way to make a living. But um, it was something I loved doing for over 20 years, and I just want you know to express that that it, that it. I, I enjoyed my time there, and everything that I have today is because of uh, my time in the wrestling business. So, you know, I'm I'm very happy about it and very proud of the work I've done. Well, how, because you said there are rough moments, and it's known that there are moments, uh, both good and bad. But for someone like yourself who's known as a family man and uh, never had any real issues uh, publicly, how hard was it for you to have uh, the lifestyle, as you mentioned, being married and kids and just try to have a normal life outside of work? Um, it's not that hard. I mean, you know, uh, when you have the support of your family, you know, when they support you and, and what you do, like my wife always said, uh, she, she, could, she could always tell how much I love the wrestling business, so she would never ask me to 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 leave something that I love so much. And 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 you just have to, you know, have that mindset where you can have that balance between, uh, you know, life on the road and life at home, and uh, and just do your best with it and try to be, you know, best person you can be. Yeah. So we, you were luckily enough to be able to when when you were home, you were home, and when you were out working, you were out working, which is right. good. Right. And uh, try not to bring work home with you, and vice versa. You know, if you you know, if you have problems at home, try not to bring them to work. And if you have problems at work, try not to bring it home, you know. Well, I'd be curious to know from your opinion, and obviously you're very biased since you wrote the book. Uh, <laughs> is there any one particular story that you would, uh, or a couple reasons that you would say people would really enjoy the book or for those who have interest in buying? Um, well, um I know, for me, even though it was a tragic time uh, for for everyone involved, I, I think the chapter writing about the the Owen Hart tragedy I think will be interesting. One, because I've never really talked about it with anybody outside of my family in depth. I mean, even at work, I really didn't talk to, to too many people about it and and what I was going through emotionally and, and uh, you know, and mentally and that sort of stuff and... I think I think uh, I think people would be interested to see that uh, that you know we're not uh, that we're human and we do have emotions and we and we do go through things and when we lose uh, someone that we consider a friend and a family member that it, that that it, it touches all of us you know I, I I think that's important. Well, yeah, because obviously I don't want to give away all the stories and obviously with something like that you had a very unique experience with that, be, literally being in the ring when that accident occurred. Yes. But was the company and everybody there uh, supportive of you, like to say, hey, if you need to take some time off to deal with this, or, you know, what, you got to take care of yourself witnessing that. Was that allowed for you if you decided to? Yeah, it was offered. I mean, uh, Jim Ross was fantastic. He was a head of talent relations at the time uh, when that happened. Uh, you know, he he told me if I needed any time off, whatever time off I needed, uh, I you know, just to let him know he's cool with it. And uh, I said, you know what, 
uh, I didn't want to take any time off only because if you, in my mind, I was thinking if I took the time off, then you're thinking about it constantly. Do you know what I mean? I needed to get back out there. It's like, like you know, the, the old adage, falling off a horse. When you fall off a horse, you got to get right back on. That was that was my mindset at the time. So it was offered, but I, I didn't take it. I just wanted to get back, you know, doing what I was doing. They try to have a uh, norm, quote-unquote, normal existence for what you were used to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, try to get back to your normal routine and see if that helps. Uh, you know, obviously it's something that, that stays with you, but at least you get back to somewhat of a normal routine. Well, did, did you find that to help you uh, to have a normal routine? Um, yeah, to some extent. I mean, even to this day, uh, so many years later, you know, I, it's still something that, that sits with me. But, uh, you know, getting back getting back to it and getting back to the uh, to the lifestyle, so to speak, really, really, uh, it was. It, it was something that helped. Well, actually, I do have uh, one more question on the topic before we move on. And I, mm-hmm. uh, excuse me if it's given away too much, but when you – because obviously – the topic has been talked about extensively over the years. But uh, when did you, being in the ring when that happened, uh, when did you, would you say you noticed, okay, that he's falling, what, when things started looking not normal for what was planned? Um, um, well, I didn't, I didn't see the fall itself, so I, I, I just heard it and felt it, and that was it. And right then I knew something was drastically wrong. And and that was pretty much it. That was pretty much it. I, I mean, like, right there. I, at the time, I didn't know what to think. But, you know, once you start thinking in hindsight, then, you know, you start thinking, yeah, this was, it was not good. But I, I, I literally panicked. I, I, I admit it. Yeah, well... Well, who wouldn't panic in a situation something like that? Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, I'm sure you go more in depth in the book. Oh, uh, another interesting, yeah, another interesting part that I always found with you too that is talked about, or maybe not as much, but the infamous uh, tough enough challenge with Kurt Angle and uh, Daniel P- Peter. Uh, oh yeah. You kind of speeding things up there to prevent injury what actually happened with that well um they they had their little challenge there where they had the guys doing their their physical challenge i guess i i i forget what they call the the actual move that they were doing but anyways well kurt came out and he challenged the winner to a little bit of a a wrestling match and you know he to uh, to be fair to kurt kurt was not 100 percent at the time he was still suffering a little bit from from his neck problems and he wrestled around a little bit with the first guy, and, I, and I'm sorry his name escapes me. But then, uh, you know, Kurt put out the challenge out there and said, anybody else want to want to go? And then, of course, Daniel Pewter put his arm up, and he came in the ring, and they started wrestling. And when I guess I guess the thing was Kurt is an amateur wrestler, and uh, Daniel Pewter is an MMA fighter, and and Kurt was trying to shoot in amateur on him, and they were tied up in the corner. And then. Uh, I, I, at the time, I wasn't a huge MMA fan, but I realized that uh, he pretty much got a uh, a Kimura uh, arm 
bar on Kurt Angle and wasn't letting go. And knowing Kurt Angle, he was not going to give up, regardless. So um, I, I figured one of two things were going to happen. Either they were going to stop or Kurt's arm was going to break. And I didn't didn't again one of those situations. Where, what do you do now? How do you how do you step in here and try to uh, to uh, try to help the situation out? And then when Kurt ended up getting pewter on his back, um, it just I instinctively went down and counted. It was just yeah, try to speed things along to, here. And thinking back on it, like again, here's hindsight again. I'm thinking to myself, I counted the three like an idiot. If it was an amateur match, it should have been one. And it was over, so I didn't even shouldn't have even bothered counting to three. I should have just said one. That's it. Okay, let's go. You know. Yeah, you were thinking that in terms of the professional style and you know, instinct there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and I know there's people saying out there, well, pewter shoulders weren't down. Ah, let's not uh, argue over minute things. Yeah, it was one of those. You were in the moment. All right, how do we settle this without somebody getting seriously hurt? Exactly, exactly. Because it was it, you could tell it was escalating, and and Kurt was there was no way Kurt was going to give up. Yeah, just knowing that how tough Kurt is legitimately. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, hey, to be you know an NCAA uh, champion, Olympic champion, and had the success on the amateur level that he has, you know, you got to be tough. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, but. Yeah, the one curious uh, thing I'm always about, and and obviously you spent a lot of time working with them, whether uh, behind the scenes or in the ring, that people ask us about would be the Undertaker. Yes. Uh, would you would you say the statement that has come to us is true that he is uh, Godfather like with his presence? Yeah, absolutely. He's a when you talk about uh, you know leaders in the locker room, uh, he's the man, and uh, deservedly so. He's earned that 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 position in that respect. Um, you know, if you talk about uh, you know guys who are who have earned the right to to be called locker room leader, he's definitely the guy. Well, would you? What, uh, I'm not sure how much you actually follow, but how do you? feel about the uh, once a year continuing with the streak when obviously the man has earned all the money in the world, all the respect, so just everything, any angle you look at, he's been there, done that, you know, he don't have to prove himself anymore. Do you think it, it's time for him to say, hey, you know, take her, hey, man, you know? No, no to be honest with you, I think the time for him to to retire is when he feels like he he can he he should retire. I think it's totally his call. He's earned that right. And uh, you know what? If the streak continues, uh, more power to him. I I from a personal standpoint, I hope it doesn't end. But uh, if it were to end, I hope it would it would be to to really really benefit someone else. But again, I think that's his call. Again, do you think that's would be his call to say, hey, you know, I think this guy's worth it, or is it the office you would say that says, hey, we want to wrap this up this streak-wise, or? Uh, um, it, hard to say. I mean, like, it, obviously he's earned the right to, to, to have his input, and uh, and I think him being all about business, if he wanted, if he knew that it would be the right thing to do, I'm, I'm sure he's all for ending the streak if it was right, and... Uh, 
that's the thing. It has to be the right the right moment and the right person. So, uh, you know, is this well, the right moment? Who knows? It's it's a tough call. Yeah. Uh, well, I would say back to your book though. Uh, is there any uh, particular story other than the Owen one that you would say people would get a kick out of? Like um, more on the positive side of things. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's there's all sorts of little stories in there. Like uh, there's one early on in the book where I talk about going to pick up uh, uh, Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth at the airport and getting pulled over by police on the way. And there's, uh, of course, travel stories about with me and my old riding partner, Tony Chimmel, which we, uh, you know, old Philly boy that uh, <laughs> that uh, we used to crack on each other a lot and just have a lot of fun. There's a other stuff. There's a there's a whole. It's all over the board. I mean, there's travel stories from stuff on planes and and that sort of stuff. So I think there's a, a good variety. There's a good mix of different stories in there that I think people will enjoy. Well, uh, also from what we had heard, don't know how true it is. Don't know what what because you know how things on the internet take. But actually, back in '06, you would take off the road briefly for health reasons. Uh, was that true? And if so, how's your health several years no. later here? No, that was that, that was blown out of proportion. It was actually pneumonia. So, <laughs> you know, hey, you know how it is. Yeah, it's, like uh, I said, internet. You know, everything on the internet is true, like the commercial says. Oh yeah, of course. You know, the trusted source, Wikipedia. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. But folks. The three count. Oh, you know, before we uh, wrap this up, I I did see about the book, which was interesting, that you actually had a edge do the forward for you. Yeah, I mean, how cool is that? I I, I wasn't sure. Like, uh, you know, they asked uh, who are you going to ask to do the forward, and I said, you know what, who better to ask? I will, I will ask Edge and see if he was cool with it. And I asked him, and he said, absolutely, no problem. So I was like, wow, no, see that. That was awesome. That was yeah, awesome. and he, he, at least he was very well receptive to jumping on board, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's a Canadian thing. What can I say? Yeah, I, I was actually going to bring that up. Because you're actually from the uh, Toronto area, correct? Yeah, born and raised, yes. So, yeah, it must have been cool to have another, uh, even though he's not from the city, another Toronto guy do so. Yeah, it's kind of weird in Canada because it doesn't matter where in Canada you're from. You're kind of like uh, – you you can be from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, but uh, you're still well-received all across Canada. And and as long as you're a Canadian boy, you're you're considered, you know, a a fan favorite no matter how villainous you happen to be. (laughs) Well, you notice that, and that's a good point. It doesn't seem to matter – whether it's wrestling, hockey, acting, music, whatever, if a, a Canadian boy or girl does well, you guys are so well supported, and it shows across the board there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I don't know the, the, the exact reason for it, but uh, you know, I guess because, you know, Canada's population is, is basically one-tenth of that of the United States. So, you know, you could probably fit everybody in California into Canada. And, and I think it's a, roughly the same population. So uh, I guess they feel more, uh, more like uh, I don't know, more more like a, a I can't even put it into words. 
Yeah, other than Brian Adams, the musician. Yeah, it seems like they got Yeah, but other than that, it seems like whether you look at a Bret Hart, an Edge, Christian, Gretzky, I, I don't care who you look at, who's Canadian and a boy done well. That they, the Canada as a country, as you said, is willing to say, "Hey, he's our, they're ours." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they they, they were ours. So yeah. that again. Book is three count. Uh, My Life in Stripes as a WWE referee. April first release. However, Amazon.com and every every other book outlet can pre-order. As Jimmy said at the beginning of the interview, comes out April first. No joke, Jimmy. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Adam. I appreciate it. Uh, hang on the line for one second. Okay. Hey, Jimmy, uh, thank you, sir. Just wanted to know if you uh, would cut an ID for us, uh, if possible. Oh, sure. What, do you, what would you like me to say? Uh, you know, hey, introduce yourself. You're listening to Crazy Train Radio with the Croc. With the Croc? Yeah. Okay. Um, anytime? Whenever you're ready. It's still recording. Okay. This is former WWE referee Jimmy Corderas, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio with the Croc, if you smell what the Croc is cooking. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, I uh, made a contact, which I put down in TNA, which is a clusterfuck mm-hmm. if you haven't heard, uh-huh. uh, with their PR department and all. And, right, uh, right. So anyway, I uh, had a whole brief because he was doing Radio Row with uh, Chris Daniels. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, which was fine. You know, got on the phone, cool. Then went in the total gimmick, which, like I said, fine. Deal it, it's cool. But the uh, promo he gave it, which I'll send you the link to, which is like, dude, are you been drinking for real? <laughs> Too many apple teenies? <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting there laughing though. Go afterwards, I go. I went back and heard it doing the editing I'm done. You gotta really? be fucking shitting me. Wow. Like, yeah. He, well, oh, it was entertaining, but it's like, did you, like you just said, did you have a couple of apple TVs uh, before, and this was a TV day that they were doing us. Right. I'm like, you got to be shitting wow. me. That's unbelievable. But uh, thank you so much, sir, and uh, keep us posted on how things are going with the, with the book and everything else. Absolutely. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, and if you can, uh, order me to contact you have for ECW Press, because I'm going to see if I can work something out with them to help promote. Um, okay. Um, uh, you can probably well, just send it, send it down to me on Facebook. There, that'd be easier. All right. Okay. I'll send you. I'll send you the uh, email to them. Thanks, and happy birthday again, Jimmy. All right. Thanks again, man. Bye bye. All right. Bye.